Hey there, my name is Carrie Sieber. I am a structural engineer with Vector Collaborative and also your host of The Unboxing Project. I am so glad that you're here joining us for season number two at Keep Coming Back. Today we have Aaron Svenis with us. He is a web developer with the state of Minnesota. He has a computer science degree from South Dakota State University and currently lives in Cannon Falls, Minnesota. Um, full disclaimer, he is also my brother. And uh, this actually kind of reminds me a little bit of like maybe when I was in high school and you were maybe in junior high and I uh, made some wallpaper for you. So I crumpled up packaging paper to uh, give a nice border. And so I feel like you've kind of always been uh, up for whatever crazy idea I uh, make you do. So thank you for doing this. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. Yeah, I have a little picture from that. Let's see. <laughs> There's the, the nice wallpaper that we had put together. So yeah. There's some nice. IT stuff going on. Oh, so. yeah. That's a nice TV. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Uh, My buddy actually moved into that house now. And, oh, really? Yeah. Did, Is the wallpaper still there? I think they took it down. Um, I don't remember when, but I think it might have. Uh, Michael Shirk. Sure. You know, pig. This is yep. <laughs> what, we, what we always <laughs> called him. It, it's a complete coincidence that he ended up being a cop. <laughs> That's right. That was his nickname before he was a cop. Oh, yeah. Yep. From first grade. I think I knew him in first grade and he's been pig ever as long as I've known him. And he actually lived down the block about five houses and then he bought our old childhood home. Nice. I'm guessing that uh, that the design life of that wallpaper was maybe a year or two, considering you typically wrap it with presents or wrap presents with it and then you yeah. throw it away. So It was nice. He like crumpled it all up and then he put some type of like coating on it and yeah it looked like marble on the wall kind of yeah it was it was cutting edge I tell you it was probably a pain to get off of there if I had yeah. to guess either that or it fell down I mean it was one extreme or the other I'm sure yeah. I think it was still good when we left but I don't really remember well anyway thanks for going on the adventure with me yeah, it was fun <laughs> I like this my favorite color is my Orlando magic colors that's right that's right to match your starter jacket yep exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay. Um, maybe if you could start a little bit, just, uh, I mean, we've already talked about your backstory of growing up here, but maybe if you could talk about it a little bit more from a professional sense of kind of what, what got you interested in computer science and um, I guess just kind of your background a little bit. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can't help but notice that uh, your introduction is a lot shorter with me than it was with most, with most people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have all the certifications and all the the stuff like that. And I've kind of prioritized things a little bit differently throughout my career than, than prior, than, uh, you know, certifications and stuff like that and awards. I haven't won any awards yet, maybe someday, but, um, anyways, when growing up, we grew up in, you know, a small town, South Dakota and kind of, I, for some reason, I always wanted to be a mechanic. I don't really know why that was in my head, but from early on, I wanted to be a mechanic. And then mom and dad kind of talked me out of that saying that I, I don't, wouldn't make much money unless I was a really good mechanic. So then I went to air airplane mechanic because I know our uncle Kurt um, is an airplane mechanic. And I thought that that might make me some more money. 
if airplanes are more complicated than cars, right? So it must be, must be, must be more money. And then dad bought a computer in, I don't know, probably like 98 or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I remember it was still around. It had dial up. I feel like it was maybe like 96. (laughs) I just, the only reason I know the year or have the ballpark of the year is I know it had Windows 95 on it. And that was the first computer that I ever had at Windows 95. And I was just um, very interested in that. And I couldn't stop. I just want to learn everything about it. Like right when, right from the very beginning. And yeah, I can, I can remember the dial up and there was, I think, uh, it might might not have been until I was in high school and you were probably gone, but dad finally um, uh, splurged for two phone lines so that we could, you know, get on the internet and call somebody or receive calls at the same time. Because back in those days, if you were on the internet, um, nobody could call you and they get a busy signal. So, you know, Aunt Vic couldn't call mom at home right. um, unless we were off the internet. But then he splurged for the second phone line and I know there was cables running everywhere in our basement so that I could be on the internet and, and download pictures of Dodge Vipers. That's <laughs> I was heavily I would have done the same. I would have done the same. Well, I was heavily influenced by my older sister. Um, <laughs> I never like now I don't really care that much about cars. I'm not that into cars, but back then I knew you were. And I knew you loved Dodge Vipers. So I was like, I, I it must be cool to download pictures of Dodge Vipers. So, you know, the the modem was very, very slow and the internet was super slow. And so you'd click the button to download, I don't know, five, 10 pictures of Dodge Vipers and then come back an hour later and maybe three of them would be downloaded. And then I'd save them to the floppy disk. Okay. So we probably had like 20 um, floppy disks of Dodge Vipers in the, in the desk okay. at home. So, you know, early on then I, I kind of, really started getting interested in computers and it was kind of something that I really enjoyed doing and um, learning about all the different settings in there and how to do certain stuff and um, like change all the color of the windows to like bright lime green and stuff like that. I, I used to love just playing around with all the settings and stuff. And I think maybe within the first two weeks, I completely ruined the computer. And, and uh, the town computer guy had it, the guy that my dad bought the computer from. And I think dollar value, I think he spent like $2,200 on this computer. Like, and <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, do you? Uh, yeah, I remember the person. I know who you're talking about. I yeah. know. Yeah, and I know that that was a big, like getting a computer, like that was a huge investment and that was a big deal to, to right. get yes like cost wise yeah I don't remember exactly what the dollar amount was but I feel like it was north of two thousand dollars and it was not that great of a computer I mean by today's standards of course it was terrible but back then I don't I think it might have been like a 20 gig hard drive on there and I don't even remember what the processor and memory and stuff like that was but it was nothing special but anyways I managed to break it um not that far in and he had to come over and reformat it and then that kind of, that was in junior high when we got that and getting into high school, um, you kind of start have to kind of have to start picking what you want to do. You know, you have to, they try to make you specialize a little bit. And I didn't really have any other ideas except for that I really like 
playing with the computer at home. Now I was, I felt like I was okay at it and it sort of came easily to me and I could understand everything that was going on. And so in high school, I got into some programming classes and I, I wasn't too crazy about that. I mean, I sort of liked it when that eventually worked and if I could get it to work, then it was, it was a major accomplishment in my mind. And so then when college time came around, I had to, again, the same type of um, scenario where I had to choose something. And I was never really all that passionate about anything in general, but computers were something that I always felt were, I was pretty good at and that came easily to me. So I picked computer science and I struggled my first year or two in college trying to trying to understand how to program computers. And then I eventually made it through college. It's kind of a minor miracle, I think, but. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, Dactronics um, in Brookings, if you go to South Dakota State, um, you pretty much can't get a degree without working at Dactronics for a while. And I don't, I don't know if you did, did you? No, I didn't, but I worked next door. <laughs> same, same area. Yeah. So I had same to, type of job. <laughs> right, I did the Dactronics time and that's kind of where I really started enjoying programming. Really, I mean, I made it all the way through college and I wasn't all that crazy about it, but it, again, I felt like it was something I was okay at and it, it wasn't something that I had to struggle to even learn. So I, I stuck with it. And then when I got to Dactronics, they um, subsidized my learning and they would send me to uh, a class where I could learn how to program. And I learned the language that I use now, which is C Sharp. And once I learned C Sharp, um, I really started enjoying programming. And, and now I do enjoy programming and it's kind of gotten, to, gotten me um, to where I am now. Love it. So what, so when you were in high school and college, um, did you learn, I don't know when C-sharp was created or when, when that started, but were you using that language then too, or is that something that you learned on the job from Dectronics? Well, um, in high school, C-sharp wasn't around. It was called Visual Basic, um, which is something I used. That's what I used back then. And that was very um, kind of low level. It had a lot of it was mainly meant for like writing forms, like Windows forms where, you know, the battle, it's called Battleship Gray, those gray forms where you click the buttons uh, and windows to do settings and stuff. It is mainly meant for that as far as I can remember. But then when I went to college, I learned C++. That was the main language at South Dakota State that they taught everybody. And I'm not sure when C Sharp came out either, but during college, they're like, you can about, when I was about a junior, um, a few of my teachers would be like, you can write this in C-sharp or C++. And I didn't want to take the time to learn C-sharp because I was like, I already know C++. I don't, like, I don't want to have to invest the time on top of actually doing the assignment to learn a new language. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't do it. And I did it in C++. And then once I got to Dactronics, they're like, we'll pay you to learn C-sharp. And once I learned C-sharp, I really wish I would have learned it earlier because I think it would have made my college a, a heck of a lot easier. Yeah. This uses a lot more um, English language um, stuff. So like um, C++ will have a bunch of special characters. Like you, you put an ampersand in there and this, it means one thing and you put a dash and a 
a greater than sign and it means another thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas C C sharp in my mind anyways is it's a lot more like console dot write line and then you tell it what you want to write out. So it's like a lot more you can when you sit down and you read C sharp, it it sounds a lot more like English than what C did. Gotcha. So to me, that was a lot more easy to understand. And it, it's basically, I mean, this is probably too much in the weeds, but it's just, it's basically Java. Java, okay. Java is an open source language that is created by the community. That's what open source means. They can just make whatever they want. And then a random guy will say, hey, I, wanted, I want Java to do this thing. And then he can write it and put it into Java. And then that's accepted into the platform. So everybody that uses Java can use this guy's code. For free, right? Right. Yep. Open source. That's what open source is typically free. I think there are open source projects that charge you money. Because open source just means that anybody can write to it, but it has to be accepted by the by the community before it's accepted into the platform. Gotcha. Um, but C Sharp, it was Microsoft ripping off Java in, in my mind. And, uh, you know, when Microsoft does something, it's typically better supported. So Mm -hmm. Java, um, I did some Java in college too. So I'm not that experienced with Java, but I did some. So Java in my mind is a a guy that's a hobby programmer. He'll write some stuff that he thinks he wants in Java. He'll put it in there and then it's not very supported if, if that thing ends up breaking, but I've, I've integrated it into my software, then there's nobody standing behind it. There's nobody to go to and say, hey, this broke, can you fix it? Whereas C-sharp is supported by Microsoft. So if something in the framework breaks, um, it's usually highly supported and there's highly documented stuff and you can always find out workarounds right away. Um, Just a couple of weeks ago at work, something broke and I couldn't figure it out forever. And then I finally, decided to Google it and found, you know, a bunch of different results and ways to get around this, this problem, because I I feel like Microsoft is more, more supported. So if you're working for a company, then um, it's, it's probably pretty imperative. Well, I'm sure both, but if you have C sharp, then at least, you know, you have good support and it's maybe a little more professional to your end user if if you have if you're able to fix it in a quicker manner than digging down into the weeds by yourself right and I mean I know our our cousin Luke um, works with Java a lot and he has wondered why our company is willing to pay the money to have Microsoft stuff because it does cost more Um, Java is usually pretty much free and I think that's kind of the trade-off is that um if you pay for C-sharp, you pay for all the Microsoft stuff, then you usually are, are more well-supported. But again, I haven't written Java in a professional um, environment, so I don't really, that, that could be way off base. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I think when you, when you pay for the Microsoft fees, they're going to be standing behind um, the code that they write and the code that they get you, the code that you're building your code on top of. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you'll... Um, It'll be more dependable in my mind, but. So you use C-sharp to program the website for the Secretary of State for the state of Minnesota, right? Right. Yep. That's, that's our main, that's our biggest 
site probably, but uh, the okay. Secretary of State's office also does notary. Um, okay. So if you're a notary in the state of Minnesota, you can register on a website that I worked on. Um, there's a few other things that we do too. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of my day-to-day -day is um, just supporting our systems that run internally. So we use something called CRM where we manage all of the businesses that are filed in Minnesota and it's managed all in CRM and it's, that's a Microsoft product too, but our version of CRM is highly customized. We've written a bunch of stuff on top of CRM to work because CRM out of the box is just meant to, um, excuse me, it's something like if you're selling widgets, you could have your customer records. CRM stands for customer relation management. Okay. Um, but the Microsoft Dynamics CRM is something that um, can just be used to manage all your customers, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't really work very well for business registration stuff. Um, so we've customized it to work um, better with business registration stuff. So uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of our main things. If you register a business in the state of Minnesota and you do it online, then you'd use the Secretary of State's website. And that's mm -hmm. the website that that I've worked on quite a bit. Okay, and so the CRM software, that's that's pulled off of the website then, that's an internal program that you guys use? Yep, yep, okay. so our external website, the portal is what we call it. Um, it, um, when you register a business, it you enter the information on the website. We have um, custom code that runs to kind of do stuff to that data so that it's ready for CRM and then it puts into CRM and CRM is only visible to the people that are inside of our company. Gotcha. So then they can see what, what has been entered on the website and then we don't have to enter that data twice. Like back in the day, they would um, get paper into the office and then somebody would have to sit at their desk and type that into their computer and then and save it into CRM. And sure. stuff. But now the customer does the data entry and it comes in to CRM and then they can do whatever they want with it um, internally. Okay. How many users do you think you get, like back to the having to use, or, you know, using C-sharp and stuff. Um, how many users do you think you get to the website every month? Any idea? Ooh, no. <laughs> A lot? Uh, yeah, well, probably. Um, I think we have millions of businesses registered in Minnesota. Okay. Each one of those has to um, renew uh, annually. Okay. So, and anytime, I think there are some people, I mean, I have done this, but that's probably just because of where I work. But I think some people will go to the Secretary of State's website to look up if a business is in good standing because sure. that's, that's information that's publicly available and we provide it on, on our website. So I haven't looked at the numbers and what type of hits we get, but I'd imagine it's in um, uh, probably hundreds of thousands a month, but I don't. Crazy. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to look. I mean, our when it, this is the probably the most highly trafficked website I've ever worked on. Yeah. So if something goes down, you hear about it immediately. Oh yeah, immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the nice thing is is that we have um, four, I think four different servers. Um, so if anything goes wrong with one of them, we have software that directs all the traffic away from that one that's broken to the other three that are available. Mm -hmm. So we can lose the server and nobody would ever know. I mean, obviously we know right away, but 
it doesn't affect the external user. Gotcha. How has things changed? So how have things changed since, I mean, you've been doing this for what, 13 years maybe? Uh, yeah. I'm tracking five off of my own experience. <laughs> let's, let's see. Um, I started, I started at the foundation, um, SDSU's foundation. I was a tech fellow. I think you were a tech fellow too in college, mm -hmm. weren't you? Which was mm -hmm. a great program because it kind of paid, paid you per hour based on what a credit hour was I think so if, mm -hmm. if you worked and you saved all the money you earned being a tech fellow you could pay for your tuition of course that's not how my <laughs> that's not how my budgeting worked in college it <laughs> other priorities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I started there I mean that's the first time I coded where people would pay me and that was you know probably 06 like, 15 years now yeah yeah and it's I mean it's changed a lot but um there yeah I'm trying to really think of one thing that or any big thing that's changed that's completely different I think mostly it's gotten better and easier mm -hmm. I remember there's some especially relating to browsers um that's, yeah, that's, that's a good example. Um, something, do you know the difference between like IE and Chrome and Firefox? Uh -huh, uh -huh. Those, are all, those are all internet browsers. Yep. So I've written, I've written internet code for most of my, for all of my career. And when I started, you had to write different code for IE, for an internet explorer. You had to write different code for Chrome you had to write different code for Firefox and none of the code worked on all different all the different browsers. There was one standard, but none of them followed it. Um, Chrome started following it. And, but at the time IE had a market share of like 95%. Internet Explorer came on every, every Windows computer. So nobody really thought to branch out and see what other browsers were out there. And IE was notoriously terrible for following the standards that they were supposed to follow. So you had to write different code for IE, different code for Chrome and different code for Firefox. And over the last, especially the last four or five years, it's gotten a lot better. I mean, Chrome, Chrome kind of started to blaze the trail there following the standard. And then IE started following the standard and with Edge now, I think they're pretty close to following the standard. But in the meantime, they lost you know, mostly all of their market share. Cause I think Chrome has like 85, 90% market share now. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing that's changed over the, my time is that you always had to write something special for IE um, mm -hmm. because it, it was crazy. They just did their own things. Like if you wanted to move over, if you wanted to say, I want this picture this far from the margin, you put in 10 in Chrome, then you have to put in 15 in IE and you have to put in, you know, 17 in Firefox. And it's all just slightly different, just enough to, that you have to do it um, differently. But so how does that work? You have different code, like structure in, like in the website or whatever that goes to the different browsers? Yeah, well, um, so there's, thing, there's this thing called JavaScript. I'm, I'm sure everybody this, that would watch this under, has seen the word JavaScript somewhere before. Mm -hmm. But JavaScript is, is code that you write and it, it's sent to you from a website 
and it runs on your computer. Um, actually, it runs in your browser. So um, that code needs to be browser specific. So um, IE is going to interpret JavaScript differently than Chrome would. Okay. So you, there is ways to say, um, if you're using Chrome, send this version of the JavaScript. If you're using IE, send this version. But that's that's still you know two or three different code files that you have to maintain. But once it gets to the server, everything's the same. Um, so once you click submit and you send the data to a server, um, all that code is the same. It doesn't matter. Um, you only write one version of the code. Okay. But if you try to do stuff like specifically like validation, so if you click submit and it says, um, please enter your last name or whatever, you forgot to enter your last name, that's probably client side code running. Okay. Which is JavaScript. So that JavaScript for all your validations um, might need to be different based on which browser somebody's using. Okay. Okay. It's, it's kind of a technical thing and it's kind of hard to make it understandable. But, but I think that's a, I think like a big takeaway there is just that like these companies have <laughs> adopted or streamlined into more of a standard. And if it makes your job easier as a web designer, it means there's going to be less problems for the end user too. Right. So, you know, the general public, I guess that's what you could take away from it is that hopefully you're getting less errors now than you <laughs> were a while yeah. ago. <laughs> no, I, I think it, I think it's been much more stable. Um, lately it's you know it's hard to tell because i i don't see as many errors as i probably used to um i mean i know in the infancy of the internet it was very easy to hack websites like there's this thing called the query string um which is again kind of technical but if you go to google.com and then you'll see a little question mark at the end if you search something, you see a little question mark and then it says like Q equals. And in, before, um, in the infancy of internet, you used to be able to say, you used to be able to put whatever you want in there and developers would not necessarily account for the fact that somebody would be able to just put whatever they want in that query string. So sometimes they'd just send the username and password in that question mark part that's just in the address bar okay. in a browser. So you could change whatever you want in there and the website would act um, like you entered that into the form and you had the valid password and stuff like that. Oh. And there's there's also stories, you know, cookie is too. You've probably heard of cookies. Yeah. Store cookies. Like I don't want, like that always stresses me out. I don't want to store cookies on my computer. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> cookie is just something that they store on your computer so that when you go to the website again, they can check your computer for that cookie. And okay. if the cookie exists, then they know you've been there. Okay. Um, but um, back in the day, too, they used to store like prices for things in that cookie, N not thinking that anybody would know to go on their computer, open up that cookie, and then they can edit it. So you could oh. open it up. And if it says, you know, thing for $10, you could open up that cookie, move it down to $1, and then click su like submit, and the website would think that it was for $1. And you, sale and shoes, yeah. sale and shoes. <laughs> exactly. And that, that's just the stuff that happened all the time early on. But the, I mean, uh, security was about the last thing from anybody's mind when they were creating the internet. It was not made to be secure. It's just inherently insecure. 
um, especially email is really bad because all the time we get stuff at work like oh I didn't receive this email from you like I click the button I'm supposed to get this email and really all that we can tell them is that it left our email server and after it left our server it's it, it could bounce to 15 different servers and then it might you might get blocked at your ISP or your internet service provider like your cable company they can block it because they don't like us for some reason um, it can get blocked on your computer because they don't like us gmail can block it it can get blocked you know probably 10 times along the way and we mm -hmm. have no visibility in that once it leaves our server it's gone yeah which is probably really confusing for like the general public because they're like you're a computer IT or you know like you're a computer guy you should be able to fix yeah. it but but you're right like it's out of your hands once it once it leaves right and then you know, when you kind of understand how the internet works after being in it for a little bit you kind of understand how much it's all kind of held together with duct tape and bubble gum you know it's just it's crazy how much stuff actually happens every time you click um link like you'll yeah your your traffic goes to at least like 10 different servers sometimes it just bounces yeah. all over the place and like that's all hidden away from the person that's using the website but it's just it's very complicated probably overly complicated um mm -hmm. but it was never meant to do this it was never meant to be like this it was never meant to be you know so ubiquitous like like it is now it's, it was designed just to communicate between colleges Mm -hmm. and and transfer information without any thought of security yeah but now we expect security out of it because we're on amazon buying stuff or on target or whatever and buying stuff and sending our financial information over it right yeah i mean think of all of the things that we do with the internet that's crazy to think of right so what's a major risk that you've had to take to get where you are now um you know i don't I don't really know if I've ever had to take any big risks. And I think that might kind of be um, a consequence of, of how I was raised, you know, I, and some of the privileges that I was just born with. Um, my, I had very stable home life, um, two parents that loved me, um, never really had to worry about money. I mean, I'm sure mom and dad worried about money at some point, but I don't ever remember feeling that. Um, and then, you know, I never, I just can't imagine the mental energy it takes to be concerned about like, are my lights going to be on tonight? And is, is it going to be cold at home right. tonight because my parents can't afford the heat? Um, never had to worry about that. And college was never really an option. I was just always going to go to college. Right. And that was just kind of a, foregone conclusions that, that I was going to go to college and graduate and then just get a job and honestly I feel like I haven't I mean I've I've worked for what I've gotten I suppose but I've I feel like partly I've just been kind of coasting and doing what I'm supposed to do and doing what's laid out for me as I go and now all of a sudden here I am 35 years old and I I mean I'm very lucky and I don't really know how else to put it but I, I just feel like it I can't really give myself much credit 
for the position I'm in in my life because I never really have um, had that much drive or anything. But I just feel like that's just kind of the way things have been set up for me. And I've just followed the path that's been laid out for me. But this, this talks to your personality, um, to is he though, because like <laughs> coasting through, like you don't just coast through a computer science degree. That's very difficult. And, and moving to like the, I feel like you took some risks to go to Minnesota. Um, both you and Jenny did that, but, um, you, I, you always like, like, underplay your accomplishments kind of like which is a super humble thing to do um but like I think you work really hard and you're like just like yeah you know like just doing what I had to do <laughs> well my job is important to me and I I do I do feel like it's important for me to work for it um and to do my job but also I haven't had to overcome a lot of hurdles. Like a lot of those hurdles were removed from me or for me, probably by my parents. Um, I don't really know, I guess. I just never really had to face any huge, huge hurdles in my life. Yeah. I had to, the biggest thing I had to worry about is failing out of school. But then if I fail out of school, I go home. You know, I mm -hmm. lived with mom and dad for a while. Or if I lose my job, um, you know, Jenny's still got a job or whatever. You know, I've never... I just think that's part of, unfortunately, the way society is kind of set up nowadays is that people like me um, have a lot of advantages that other people that aren't like me don't have. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't, again, like I said, I can't really take too much credit for where I am because it's just, I feel like that's where I'm supposed to be. You know, it's yeah. like, I haven't had to step outside myself that much. Um, I've always been able to kind of just see the things that are put in front of me and just do the work. And it's always mm -hmm. been a very clear A to B. Mm -hmm. If I do this, I get this. And for somebody that didn't have the examples like I did uh, to follow, um, like you and dad, who very both, both very hardworking and mom. Um, if I didn't have those examples, I don't know if I'd be able to say that, if I can say that I'd be where I am right now. Yeah. Two things that you said that stick out there um, to reinforce kind of what you said too. Like, I feel like our starting point was a lot further along than a lot of people's starting point. Right. Um, and, and also like the whole, if I put this work in, I get from, I know I get from point A to point B, but some people put the work in and they don't ever get to point B. Like right. it's not a given. Like for us, it was like a direct exchange. We knew if we did this thing, then we would be rewarded with this other thing. But like right. sometimes that, like like you said, you said it so well, there's a lot of people that don't get that direct exchange or that direct reward for their hard work. Right. Yeah, I know it's, it, like I said, I, I don't feel like I've ever really had to take any huge risks and I think a big part of that reason is just because of the way we were raised and just because of the, the things our parents had. The same with dad. I don't think they had a lot of money growing up. And I don't right. think mom had a lot of money growing up. And I think mom went to a one-room schoolhouse for a while, didn't she? Yep. I think she's told us about that a few times. I mean, she can still speak fluent Spanish. Yes, and touch your toes. 
and she can count to like 20 or something in Spanish. It's pretty impressive. And this is our Mother's Day and Father's Day gift to both of them. So yeah. um, I don't know, we could do a little drawing for them or something. Yeah, so maybe. That, that way we're covered when those holidays come along. But anyway, back to your story. <laughs> it's, just, it's just crazy how much things, especially in this country, have changed in the last, you know, 100 years. Yeah. It's just crazy how far we've come as a country. Mm -hmm. And, but of course, I think that's been unfairly or unequally distributed to people like us. Yeah. And I don't necessarily need, feel like we need to feel bad about it, but I think it's a, a very important thing to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Well, and also to give a voice, um, that's something, you know, we've talked about before too, of just giving a voice for people that didn't start out at the same spot as us and the people right. that aren't, and that it's not a given that they're gonna get the big reward after the hard work. Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, picking yourself up by your bootstraps is, is great for somebody that has advantages and can start halfway up the ladder. Um, but some people just can't do that and they need help. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not their fault, their fault and their problem, you know. Right. But in, anytime, you know, I, I, when you ask me about risks I've taken, I, it's just hard for me to think of any big risks I've had to take because I feel like everything's just been... Um, kind of laid out for me and I haven't had to I mean I've had to work again I've had to work for what I've gotten but um like you said it, there is a there's an established path to follow mm -hmm. and I followed that path and I was set down that path and I don't know that I tried to deviate from it too much and I don't know if I put extra effort to go above and beyond that path but I just ended up you know getting very lucky you know meeting my wife and and having kids, because I think that has really changed my outlook on, on pretty much everything, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, of course you understand that too. When you have kids, it's just, your whole life just kind of changes. It's not about you anymore. Yeah. And it's also like, I understand now the things that my parents did for me to make sure that I can make it to where I'm at, mm -hmm. or at least, um, make it so that it wasn't very, very difficult for me to get to where I'm at. Right. You know, and remove as many hurdles as I can. And that's kind of what I want to do for my kids. But I think I kind of got off topic from the- No, this <laughs> is the really. next question. What are you passionate about? Well, it's my kids, really. <laughs> I, I mean, I love my job and I, I do love what I do. And I love my job, like I said. <laughs> but I can't really use the word passion with my job. I'm, it's something that I get great joy out of when I do and I can help people at my job. Um, but the only really, when I think about um, passionate, really the only thing that comes to mind is my kids and my family. And I, you know, I do anything for them. And that's actually kind of why I work probably. Because there's some days where it's kind of hard that, I mean, poor me, it's hard for me to get out of bed and, you know, walk 10 feet to my office because I, I just know the same stuff is going to come up at work. And, you know, sometimes it's a little frustrating, but um, the reason I, I keep trying to push through it is that I want to make sure my kids have everything that they need. And mm -hmm. if I can just walk my lazy butt 10 feet and get to my computer and do my job every day, then they'll be fine. 
-hmm. and they'll have everything exchange right like if you do this like here's the outcome (laughs) right and i i think my kids will be okay i guess i don't know about odin too much but i think (laughs) Lila will do all right no Odin will be okay i'm sure you know i'm sure mom and dad said the same thing about me growing up because i don't (laughs) think i was very easy going as a kid and for some reason puberty mellowed me out like i i got more um introspective in high school and um never really that motivated either there but again i just followed the path and ended up you know being an adult with my own kids and yeah. uh, you know i can kind of see odin being a lot like me but that's i can too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not necessarily a good thing, but it is a good thing. Hopefully, he'll figure it out. I don't know. Who knows what he's going to do with his life? But he loves life. You know what? Like he is spirited, and that yeah. is so cool and so good. But the fact that you say, like, so you know, being passionate about your family, I feel like when I interviewed Jenny, she said the exact same thing. Um, right. And I think it just goes to show you to take parenthood super serious and, but like in a low key way, like you're not intense with the kids at all. You're just present with the kids. And that is very admirable. Well, that's what we try to do. I never was focused on accomplishments, really. I've always been focused on friends and, you know, making relationships with people and, and stuff like that. Um, but um, my job is has always been, you know, it's in the top three mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> important things in my life. Um, but my family is always going to be number one. Well, and a job lasts 40 years and a family is like, like a legacy. Like we feel it from our grandparents still, like right. we remember them and they're super influential people still to this day to both of us. Yep. So a family that goes on forever. So. Yeah. And really, I mean, I'm not going to, at work, maybe, maybe I will, I don't know, no, like influence anybody's life. I don't think I'm going to influence anybody's life at work. And if I left, you know, tomorrow in a year or two, they would barely remember me at work. Um, but I can't do that with my kids. I'm going to, I mean, they're, she's going to remember me. They're going to remember me forever, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So it's just, the stakes are a lot higher with your family than your job. I mean, I do my best at my job, and if I mess up something, then, I don't know, maybe we lose some money for a little bit at at work, Mm -hmm. Um, but if I mess up something with my kids, like, the stakes are a lot higher. Yeah, I feel like I might mess up about daily, but I feel like (laughs) hopefully it's the small things um, that I'm messing up on, so. That's that's part of being a parent, too, and I I feel like, I, I mean, I have this conversation with some of my friends a lot, and, um, like when they talk about how they f- feel like they're terrible parents, I, I feel like that's a sign of being a good parent. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't think a real genuinely terrible parent is really going to ever be sitting around talking to their friends and be like, man, I think I might, I, I made a big mistake. Like, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have yelled at my kid like that. Like, I don't think a genuinely terrible parent really gives a, gives a crap. <laughs> yeah, thanks for censoring it. Um, I, <laughs> I would, I would agree, I think so. <laughs> Yeah. So who inspires you? I don't know. I th- probably have to go back to my kids. Um, again, I mean, it's uh, they, an inspiration is kind of tough too mm-hmm. for me. Um, but, you know, just them drawing breath is kind of inspiration to me. Um, 
and also, you know, it's my family and people around me like you. And like, I've, I just know that the last couple of years have been kind of tough for you. And I, I've been inspired by the things that you do. It's really kind of cool to see you, you know, branch out and try all these new avenues and, you know, just always trying stuff new. And I, I feel like you're probably a little bit out of your comfort zone when you do stuff like that. And I think that's, that's admirable and inspirational that you do stuff like that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I've got a good joke. <laughs> what was that? Got a good joke to tell. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Break, nope. break, break the mood. <laughs> no, it's, it's just cool. And you know, I, I think it's neat that you um, go different directions. Thanks. Thanks. And I think of, about your kids too. Like, I mean, can there be any greater inspiration than <laughs> little people that look up to you um, for to do the right thing and to be a good model citizen for them? So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's kind of crazy to, to see kids grow up. I don't know. Six and three now they are. And it's, I don't think we're going to have any more. <laughs> documented right yeah. here <laughs> no no they're, they're great it's just they are their own human beings and you know human beings have a lot of needs and wants and and when you're six and three you don't have the filter um to to filter out maybe I shouldn't you know ask for this thing right mm -hmm. this minute because I can tell my parents are a little frustrated with the way things have been going for the past hour so I'm just going to ask them anyways yeah. And, and that's, that's the days when it gets a little tough with having kids, but. Well, you're also coming off of um, being home during quarantine, the four yeah. of you for the last six months, all day, yeah. every day. <laughs> right. Well, it still kind of comes back to how lucky we are because we, neither one of us have lost our job. And right. the biggest problem that we have with this um, whole quarantine thing is that, you know, both the kids are home 24 seven sometimes and I mean obviously I've said I love my kids but sometimes and you know daddy needs a break yeah and uh yeah it just gets to be a lot when it's been you know March March of 2020 they're home till August and then there's home for another month again so it's okay That's it could be worse yes <laughs> Okay, so I have some rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready okay. to think on the fly? Sure. I'll make them easy, I promise, okay? Okay. Okay, favorite band? Oh, I'd probably go with Oasis. Oasis, yes, back to junior high, love it. Yeah, that's your <laughs> fault. You left an Oasis CD by the computer. So I had that, I think I had Reba, and I had okay. uh, um, uh, Alanis Morissette, the okay. Alanis, sorry, Jagged Little Pill. Yes, Which, those are all good ones. Hey, it's better than my Coolio one. At least I was a good influence. <laughs> yeah, yeah Jagged Little Pill was one of my favorites too back then, but at, yeah. um, the Oasis has always kind of hung on, but there's some metal bands that, that I like, like Protest the Hero might be. Okay. There, but. Okay. I have a funny uh, memory back to your wedding, your and Jenny's wedding, when I thought it was necessary on the bus after the wedding to be the DJ. And I think I put on a high pitched Maroon 5 song and yeah. the whole bus was like, no. <laughs> and I think then we went to Oasis. I was like, yes, this is a much better fit. <laughs> yeah, I don't really, I don't remember 
um, much of what happened on the bus. I mean, I of course I remember it, but I don't. Yeah, I don't remember what the music situation was. Yes. I just remember the the freaking bus driver decided it was a good idea to smoke a cigarette. Well, uh, on the bus. Yeah. yeah, on the bus when we were all in there, and I, he may have rolled down the window. I don't know, but he's still having smoke. Good old days. Yeah. Okay, back to rapid fire. Okay, favorite TV show lately. Oh uh, well, I just finished uh, Queen's Gambit on Netflix, which is pretty like good, and I like Mandalorian too. And okay. From from Hope. The, okay. The one of your previous guests. Oh yes, yes. Um, yeah, Mandalorian. My kids like that. Avery and Eli like it, but I don't. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really good. I mean, I have a um, 4K TV, and it's really good on. One one TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've always liked TVs. Even in my room, and like you see, you have a picture of me hooking up a TV. Mm -hmm. um, I think I had two or three TVs in that room, even. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> always a technology. Well, okay, man. They had. Oh, sorry. Back to rapid fire. Sorry, I keep getting sidetracked. Okay, favorite go-to beverage. <laughs> well, I don't know if mom and dad would approve too much, but it's probably beer. Which kind, though? Um, well, an IPA. Um, well, right lately, I've been liking Two Hearted, Bell's Two Hearted. It's uh, kind of an IPA. It's okay. And What's if the not, um, Bell's, yep. Okay. Uh, I think it's in Michigan. Okay. Okay. My favorite non alcoholic beverage is probably Diet Dew. Diet Dew. Yes. Sorry for that habit, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I, I, I never really liked it that much until, uh, I started trying diet pop and then that's kind of like the, the crack of diet pop mm -hmm. like diet yeah. dr pepper was my gateway drug and then diet diet do i got into that and it's, yeah it's delicious mm -hmm. yes i agree but i'm i'm onto this though mm -hmm. said, trying to replace it with kombucha okay <laughs> favorite podcast not this one <laughs> good. good job um um I don't know. I've, I've liked, I've, I've listened to WTF for probably five, six years now okay. religiously. Um, I like Smartless lately. Um, okay. Heard of that one? No. Uh, it's got Will Arnett, uh, Jason oh. Bateman, and Sean Hayes, the Will and okay. Hayes thing. That's pretty good too. Um, okay. And then Skeptic's Guide to the Universe is probably my favorite actually. Okay. I'll have to look, check that one out. I feel like... <laughs> Yeah, that one's pretty good. It's it's uh it's very science science based. Okay. I mean, Eli like, appropriate or not? Uh probably. I don't think they swear. Um okay. the main guy in there is a neurosurgeon and okay. it's very smart and writes a bunch of articles on this blog called Science Based Medicine. Okay. So I really just um enjoy listening to that guy because I feel like he knows what he's talking about. But of mm -hmm. course, that's it's hard to really know. But yes, okay. Favorite sports to watch. Favorite sport to watch. Football. Over hockey. Yes, I love hockey too. But I mean, there's a whole thing, man. <laughs> Stupid Sinclair Broadcasting owns Fox Sports North. Okay, so they have been taking all of their. Um, affiliates off of streaming TV. So I don't have cable anymore. So um, Sinclair Broadcasting is like 
FSN, Fox Sports North is which what I watch hockey on or baseball. They're like, we keep, we're not going to sell it to you. So Hulu TV, YouTube TV, all of the streaming options don't have FSN anymore. So I can't watch it unless I get Comcast and I get their stupid box in my house again. <sighs> so I can't watch that. But hockey has always been a favorite of mine. And the NFL is probably my favorite. I don't really yeah. like it because the NFL makes me angry. But You're sporting the Vikings gear today, though. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. Fa- two more questions and then that's it. Okay. Favorite home ownership task. The other question is the flip of that. So favorite and your worst home ownership. Oh man. I don't even know if I have a favorite. I, I like doing stuff outside. Like I like mowing the lawn, I guess. <laughs> and I, I feel like that might change a little bit more when the kids get a little older, but it's kind of nice having a you know, an hour away from the kids where I can go outside and listen to music on my headphones and be be alone. You think that's why dad likes it so much too? Oh yeah. I think that's why I watch the car every Saturday too. I thought and, it was for the candy bar. <laughs> I think that might be too, the symphony. <laughs> he always got symphony with me. And then a uh, mellow yellow, 50 cent mellow yellow, 20 ounces. Mm-hmm. And then mom would always yell at him for, why'd you get a candy bar? We have candy bars here. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so favorite okay what's the worst home ownership task I don't really know um I suppose anytime I have to scoop snow that kind of sucks but I don't mind like snow blowing I like I enjoy snow blowing too because it's the same thing I get to go out there and listen to my music but um I don't know if I have to clean anything I don't enjoy that much but yeah if any watches this she'll she'll make faces I'm sure because she knows I don't do much of the cleaning because I, we have different standards of uh clean yeah yeah and if you're in a college house I think you came to my college house once but I did you had stadium seating yeah, yeah we, we had a cake fridge in the living room too oh oh I don't remember that but um yeah. Well, Jenny said she almost broke up with me after she saw my bathroom because I had my own bathroom the last oh, okay. house. Like I don't know, I, <laughs> I almost didn't stay with you because of that bathroom. Yeah, so you're not in charge of the bathrooms anymore. <laughs> not really, no. Thankfully. Okay. <laughs> All right. On the bathroom note, we'll go ahead and close it out. <laughs> no, I just want to say thanks for coming. Like, um. So you do a ton of work for me, website-wise, and just IT support. Uh, you typically get the text from me that's an SOS text that I need help right away and you always help me right away Um, so I'm super appreciative of that and you're also like a super great funkel (laughs) an uncle to my kids and you have been for 16 years Um, and you're like I'm just so like you're so humble and so like you're such a hard worker and such a good person and I'm so thankful that like my kids have you to look up to um as like a good strong influence in their lives so anyway and thanks for coming on the show too (laughs) thank you I'm glad glad I've been able to know your kids over the last 16 years they've a lot of fun Uh, see them again hopefully someday soon this summer we got it this summer so Okay, song and song and dance for mom, dad for Mother's Day and Father's Day here. So no, yeah. no, I don't think so. 
All right. Well, this is where we would put it. Mom and dad, if we were going to do one, this is where we would put it. Yeah, we can't do it because of the leg, right? The, the yeah. 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 And licensing rights would be way too good. That's true. <laughs> Very true. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah, no problem. Thank you.